Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include funded mortgage volume, a deep dive on what is driving rates, and my favorite joke of the year. Want to power a better lending journey from application to close? Meet Blend's Mortgage Suite, strengthened by features that improve and accelerate across the home ownership journey, including the LO Toolkit, Hybrid, and fully digital closing capabilities, and upfront quality of life perks like purchase affordability and soft credit pull. Hundreds of financial institutions are closing more loans every day despite challenging conditions. Discover how a partnership can help you thrive by visiting blend.com. Mexico has about 400,000 Airbnb listings, and I mention this because today celebrates Mexico's victory over France in the Battle of Puebla on May 5, 1862. It was a relatively minor battle, and the French reclaimed Puebla a year later, but a symbolic one because a small Mexican army defeated a larger occupying force. By 1867, Mexican troops had driven France from the country. Mexico is just one of 20 Hispanic countries, and lenders know that the rise in overall Hispanic homeownership in recent years played out in first-time homebuyer numbers, and many have diversity departments that encompass many lending facets, including minority homeownership. Hispanic homeownership in the U.S. climbed significantly in 2020. There are now about 9 million Hispanic homeowners in the country, according to a report released by the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals. Viva la raza! According to Kiranos, April 2023 funded mortgage volume decreased 53% year-over-year and increased 46% month-over-month. In the retail channel, funded volume was down 62% year-over-year, and increased 39% month-over-month. The average 30-year conforming retail funded rate in April was 6.38%, one basis point higher than March and 197 basis points higher than the same month last year. Purchase rates were 4 basis points higher month-over-month and 193 basis points higher year-over-year, while refinance rates were down 13 basis points month-over-month and 198 basis points higher year-over-year. Kirno sources a statistically significant data set directly from lenders to produce these benchmark figures and drills into the data further on its website. The link can be found at robcrispin.com, along with the latest employment opportunities and lender and vendor products and services. Ever wondered what a bull steepener is? It's a change in the yield curve caused by short-term interest rates falling faster than long-term rates, resulting in a higher spread between the two rates. This often occurs when the Fed is near the end of its tightening cycle and the market starts to look ahead to a new easing cycle. It was only last year that the Fed began dramatically raising rates, and economists say that the Federal Reserve's interest rate hikes take time, anywhere from four months to more than a year to work through the economy. As the Fed waits for tight monetary policy to deliver a broader-based slowdown of inflation and a less tight labor market, other parts of the financial system could fall and have fallen under strain too. The bond market was already strong due to the regional bank situation at the start of the week. The second largest bank failure in U.S. history occurred when the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation seized First Republic Bank, and regional bank concerns were once again front and center yesterday. PacWest Bancorp announced that it is mulling strategic options, including a potential sale, and Western Alliance Bancorp is also allegedly seeking strategic options. On the heels of Wednesday's Federal Reserve rate hike, causing a flight to safety over worries about the eventual impacts on growth. As other banks and investors worry that they could meet a similar fate as First Republic, 
they may act more cautiously. In the near term, these tighter credit conditions translate to less money going to businesses and consumers, meaning less economic activity and growth overall. On the whole, the Fed is clearly worried about tightening credit conditions, and with a slight tweak to its language in its statement this week, the Fed has not so subtly announced that the time to step back and watch may have arrived. The outlook for both the economy and the future Fed rate path now largely depends on the resiliency of the job market. Fed funds futures are now predicting the Fed will stand pat at the June meeting, there's a 50-50 chance of a rate cut at the July meeting, and the futures market sees 75 basis points of easing by the end of the year. However, if growth holds up and the economy ekes out a soft landing, the Fed could hold its policy rate above 5% into 2024. In his press conference, Chair Powell pushed back on the idea that the Fed was ready to cut rates. Looking strictly at the Fed's dual mandate, that makes sense. The labor market remains incredibly robust, while inflation remains way too high. Powell acknowledged that it would take a while for the economy to get down to 2% inflation, but emphasized the Fed isn't willing to relax that target to something higher. The Fed under Jerome Powell has been shooting to thread the needle for a soft landing of the overheated U.S. economy, slowing it down without causing a recession. Fortunately, recent economic numbers have lined up with the runway. GDP rose at a 1.1% annualized rate in the first quarter as several categories posted their biggest drop since the start of the pandemic and inventories subtracted the most from GDP in two years. The good news from this cooling economy is that inflation is also slowing. CPI inflation came down to 5% in March from a 9% peak last summer as prices of food, gasoline, and durable consumer goods leveled out, albeit a high level. At the same time, consumer spending came in at its strongest level in almost two years, with historically low unemployment and persistent wage gains so far having allowed consumers to keep spending. Critics would argue that the mixed bag of data, tepid growth, sticky inflation, better-than-expected tech earnings, a strong labor market, and most importantly, high consumer spending, has renewed chatter of stagflation, aka elevated inflation and anemic growth. It's a scary time out there. In addition to the aforementioned inflation fight, and regional bank worries, First Republic became the fourth regional U.S. lender to collapse since early March, and to say nothing of the layoffs the mortgage industry and other industries have experienced, there's also the threat of the U.S. defaulting on its debt. Treasury Secretary Yellen announced that the federal government was likely to hit its debt limit in about a month, around June 1st. If that happens before Congress raises the ceiling, the federal government could default. Defaulting could spark global financial chaos because investors have traditionally viewed American debt as a safe investment in a risky world. Chair Powell put a point on the risk posed by a failure to pay debts already incurred by the federal government, warning that not raising the debt limit would be unprecedented, with highly uncertain and negative effects on the economy. A financial crisis can lead to less spending across the entire economy, suppressing jobs and wages. It can also hurt people's investments, including retirement accounts and other savings. A debt ceiling crisis would likely cause the Fed to cut rates even faster. Today brings the April payrolls report, in at 253,000, much stronger than expected, with an unemployment rate at 3.4%, lower than expected, and hourly earnings were up half a percent, very strong. The labor market was expected to start to show some weakness, but is still cooling at a much slower pace than other economic indicators after 500 basis points of rate hikes in aggregate over the past year that the Fed is now looking to pause. FedSpeak resumes today with St. Louis President Bullard, Minneapolis President Kashkari, and Governor Cook all delivering remarks. 
We begin the day with agency MBS prices worse a quarter and the 10-year yielding 3.43 after closing yesterday at 3.35%, the two years at 3.88% after the jobs data. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Most people don't know that in 1912, Hellman's mayonnaise was manufactured in England. In fact, the Titanic was carrying 12,000 jars of the condiment scheduled for delivery in Veracruz, Mexico, which was to have been the next port of call for the great ship after its stop in New York. This would have been the largest single shipment of mayonnaise ever delivered to Mexico. But as we know, the great ship did not make it to New York. It hit an iceberg and sank, and the cargo was lost forever. The people of Mexico, who were crazy about mayonnaise and were eagerly awaiting its delivery, were disconsolate at the loss. Their anguish was so great that they declared a National Day of Mourning, which they still observe to this day. The National Day of Mourning occurs every year on May 5th and is known, of course, as Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> it's, it's my favorite joke that we run every year. And for my Hispanic listeners, es mi chiste favorito, por supuesto. Thanks again to Blend for sponsoring today's episode. Find out how their digital end-to-end mortgage experience can help you reach your business goals at blend.com. It's about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities. Send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, Search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.